Hey everybody, this is Flaherty's on Films, and in this week's episode, we're talking about the film Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Hit the magic. I'm Michael Flaherty. And I'm Colleen Flaherty. This is Flaherty's on Films, a super cool podcast where we talk about movies that just changed everything. Michael, what are we talking about this week? This week. What is it about? This week, we're talking about a film called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which came out in 2001. It's based off a book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I don't know why they had to change that. Uh, and here, Americans are idiots. And... This is kind of, I don't know if people know what this film is. So I'll read a little description here. An orphaned boy uh, enrolls in a school of wizardry where he learns the truth about himself, his family, <gasps> and the terrible evil that haunts the magical world. So many mysteries. What could this be about? That's crazy. Don't worry, guys. We'll tell you. Colleen, have you seen this before? I've seen it, you know. Because I'm kind of like a really deep fan of Harry Potter, so I've seen this movie. Which is better, How- this or Lord of the Rings? Um, well, this. I like this better. Really? I cannot speak to quality. Hotter, hotter like- elves in Lord of the Rings. True. True. And I don't know. Anti-Semitic tropes in both, so. That's true. So <laughs> still, wa- still one has the upper hand. um yeah how about you have you seen this film i feel like i this was like the first movie where i was old enough to understand the concept that i had read the book and therefore knew like i could go into it be like well i read the book (laughs) this is not this is not the way it was where is (laughs) hermione's trial you know what i mean uh, so I have seen this movie. I, I saw it when it came out all the way back in the day and I liked it. I did. I don't know if I've seen it a million times, but I have a memory of this movie being fun and campy and it's set up a, a legendary film series that I don't know if I particularly like the films that much as they went on, but I remember this first one being fun and delightful and I had even more fun than I thought I would rewatching it this time. Can I back that up? Because yeah. I actually, so I did grow up loving the books and I saw all the movies once and I always enjoyed them, but I almost never revisited them. I was like, that was a fun experience, whatever. So I haven't really seen this much. So I was surprised how much I liked it. Like it was just a lovely, and I watched it with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Which was probably a mistake. She's only three, and it is kind of scary. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of darkness and a lot of scary discord music, and Voldemort tries to kill a child. Spoiler. Never good. (laughs) You know, let's cheer ourselves up, unless you got more to say. Let's cheer ourselves up with our first segment. Bam. Time for Sam. The part of the show where Sam comes on, I mean, if she can figure out a couple facts about this movie if she is aware of it at all sam take it away i feel like i've heard about this movie once or twice well don't play coy Um, you 
the audience let let the audience know what's up. Okay, so I'm a super Harry Potter fan. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. You go for mm-hmm. it. If you say something we disagree with, then we'll let you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yes, I've seen this movie at least once a year, um, if not more, often more. But um, and you're so anyways, pretty old. I I'm very old. I have a distinct memory of seeing this in the theater, and I have a distinct memory of reading all the books for the first time. Um, so anyways, uh, speaking of the books, so in 1997, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was published and followed by its sequel in 98, The Chamber of Secrets, and the third book in the series, Prisoner of Azkaban's in 99. George uh, R. R. Martin, question- take notes. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, Michael, yes, uh, the m- when the book was getting published in the United States, um, originally it was named Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, but uh, the publishers thought that American children wouldn't understand the word philosopher, and so they told J.K. Rowling that she had to change it. I thought it was but, they would think it's about philosophy. That's why. So no, they changed they the sorcerer's stone. So, oh. so a sorcerer, sorry, a publisher is like, I think kids are too dumb to even know the word philosophy. And that's why we have to change it. Philosopher, but yes. And uh, yeah, that's Rowling bullshit because the publisher was Scholastic, I think. And you could get was. Roller Coaster Tycoon at the Scholastic Book Fair for $10. And that's a complicated game. That is a complicated game. So I feel you like you can't just put eight loop de loops in a row. <laughs> You gotta consider customer satisfaction. Plus, when you're 11, apparently you can like kill the dark wizard. You know, like 11 year olds can do a lot, so they can know what a philosopher is. First of all, let's make a huge correction here. It's not that complicated of a game. You just make sure that once you get off the roller coaster, they can't leave, and you put a bunch of snack stands there, and then you make all your money back. Yeah, but like they don't tell you to do that explicitly. You got to figure that out for yourself. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so yes, she said it's one of her greatest regrets. But anyways, after um, so these three books. Wait, really? Out. Wait, why? Why does she care that much about the title? Yeah, doesn't J.K. Rowling have other things she maybe regrets? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that now. <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying. I saw the second Fantastic Beast movie. She's got other things. Oh, I thought you were gonna. Go, I thought you were going somewhere else. Regret. Yes, obviously that was the joke, Michael. Oh, I, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, so, Warner Brothers, one of their purchase, uh, purchasers who uh, reads uh, screenplays and thinks of new things that they should make into movies, was kind of scoping around for a new kids book to make into a movie because it's a pretty easy way to make a lot of money. Um, and a couple of the ones he had wanted had fallen through. And so finally he got into Harry Potter and he was like, this might be worth something. I think you guys should just buy it. The Warner B- Brothers what? bought the movie rights in 1999. It wasn't as big of a deal back then. They bought it for um, one billion pounds. So that's a big they, deal. Okay. It was about two million Wait, they got the rights for all four. So the fourth book hadn't come you s- out yet. Sorry, you said, got- you said one billion pounds or one million pounds? One million. Oh, okay. one million. That's a lot yeah. different. Yeah, that's I was going to be like, um, with inflation and the conversion rate, that would probably equal Star Wars. But 
I literally have a memory of JK Rowling on 60 Minutes. So she was big enough to be on 60 Minutes talking about how popular Harry Potter was. And then she went, oh, and I just sold the rights to Warner Brothers. And I'm really sorry if they make terrible toys. And I thought that was so cute. I'm like, what a cool lady JK is. And boy, (laughs) anyway. So originally when they bought it, um, they had Steven Spielberg in mind and he wanted to do a computer animated film. And like combine multiple stories into one film. Which, if you guys know, like, the first books are much smaller. They're much more condensed. Um, So they easily could have been combined. But um, JK was like, no. If you do that, you will not get the rights to this. So beforehand, they had to agree that um, all the films would be made live action. She also had a couple of different things. Like, she could veto different ideas. um, And all of the casting except for an extreme situations had to be English or um, of the aisle. So Welsh, Scottish, within the United Kingdom. Yeah, pretty much. Um, They also, she also said that they could not combine any of the books for a movie. So it was agreed that if you're going to make us do live action and if you're going to have, you know, potentially seven movies at this point, you're going to have to be done back to back to back so that the actors can grow with the books. Because if you do any delay, then your actors' ages are going to be really thrown off. So, Do you think, was there a huge uh, precedent for like, just because this seems like such a huge investment for the studio? You know, they just, they spent, it feels like they spent a lot of money on the film and they invested a lot into it. Was there a big precedence of kids books being like this, being such huge franchises? I don't think so. So this is kind of a spoiler, I guess. Not really a spoiler, but just something to consider. Around the same time you had, um, and much to a smaller extent, but still, um, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Like that's a book. That's probably that what they, they were trying to get their success yeah off of. kind of like that idea I, don't, I can't really think of another series at this point i feel like harry potter really started kind of the series of taking books and building them out after that you had twilight you had isn't that um, also Percy warner Jackson, brothers and you had lord of the rings I think so yeah oh i think so i don't know um I, yeah I, I was more to michael's question about children's books like lord of the rings is just straight up fantasy but like, right, so I'm saying I don't think it quite had been to that point yet, but I think that this started the children's books kind of growing like, out. They tried to do that with the Golden Compass and like Divergent and then the Hunger Games and like, so I guess yeah. nothing to the scale of Harry Potter. Nothing to the scale of Harry Potter and all of that was after Harry Potter too. Right, yeah. So even so even think- now I'm saying I, I don't think, I think Harry Potter is very special. Yeah, no, it's super special. So they had a lot of faith in this, yeah. Um, I mean, so, they could gold encompass it and like and bail if the first movie didn't work, right? It's true. Yeah. So basically, with Warner Brothers being the studio that's making it, Warner Brothers is based in the United States. Um, two major film officials from the United Kingdoms went to them and basically begged them to make the film be made and filmed in the United Kingdom. So they were so desperate for it, they offered them access to this giant studio in London, uh, the Levenston Studios. They said that they would make sure that um, real locations would be available for filming, 
and they actually went about working to get um, the child labor laws fixed <laughs> so that they could film more. Fixed? Uh, which this... is a little sketchy. Yeah. But it worked, and they <laughs> would go on to make all of the films in London, or in England, because of this. Awesome. Good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. I, yeah. Actually, one thing that they did that was kind of interesting is, so they would film for three hours, and then the kids, or no, they'd film for four hours, and then the kids would have school for three hours. And they would have the kids actually do their lessons, like their actual school lessons, in like the classrooms or in the Great Hall to make it feel like that was school. That's hilarious. Then when they were acting, like, it was like, oh, well, you were in school anyway. I don't know. Something like that was cool. Uh, so they would film in a lot of different places, like um, Durham uh, Cathedral, Lockhaby Abbey. This is just for our English listeners. Uh, Whitby Abbey. Uh, but the main one that was used for Hogwarts was Gloucester Cathedral. So, like, that's, like, the Hogwarts. I think Gloucester um, is the way they say Gloucester. That. Okay, well. And when kind of trying to come up with these locations and to kind of think through what they needed and what they were going to create, um, the production designer, Stuart Craig, went to Rowling and said, can you explain to me what Hogwarts looks like? And so she literally drew out a map, and you can look it up online, like, here's the Forbidden Forest, here's where Hagrid's cabin is, here's the castle, and here's kind of like the Whomping Willow and all these things. And they kept it pinned up in the production for 10 years while they're working through the films, and he would always refer to it. Like, it was always their base wow. for how they were building this. Cool. Yeah. So when it was announced that they were going to be making this film... Obviously, we have to talk about casting. Obviously. Uh, so, you're going to get a question of your week a little earlier today. Oh, Ooh. here we go. Right away when they announced, there was a famous American actor who was like, yes, I want to be Hagrid. And he wrote in. And they were like, no, you're American. And because they so desperately, like, he would have been perfect. But they said no. There was, like, no actor that they could ever, like, said no to this guy, so there's no way we're substituting any American actors in. So, who would have been the perfect American actor? Robin Williams. John Goodman. It was Robin Williams. How'd Uh, you know? I just, I was like, who's a perfect, like, big children's entertainer, but also, like, a real actor? I was really a guess. There is, like, a, there's a 40% chance that someone has told me that fact before, and it's in my brain. And I just, like can't remember that i know that as a robin williams fan the guy who is hagrid is better i think than robin would have been i actually do agree with you yeah so his name is robbie coltrane and jk rowling specifically picked him out and he was the first person cast um but it was like after we said no to robin williams we're not gonna say yes to any other american actor basically but if we had seen this movie and robin williams was that guy would have been like Oh, who else could have played him? Like, he's so great. You know what I mean? Like, I bet he would have done a pretty nah, good job. No, he would have been like, that's Michael, just the actually. genie. <laughs> All right. I think he would have been too goofy, actually. But it... it ah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, so other people that J.K. Rowling specifically picked out to cast was Dame Maggie Smith and Alan Rickman as the roles of McGonagall and... Um, Severus. These are good casting choices. 
Yeah, those were ones specifically picked out from her. Uh, when Alan Rickman was actually starting to play the role, he would go up to J.K. Rowling, and this was in the first film, and say, I feel like you need to tell me a little bit more about my backstory. Like, what is going on here with my relationship with Harry? It was then that J.K. Rowling would tell him the whole backstory of Severus Snape, which most, or no one else really learned until... Um, the end of the seventh book, like within the last seven wow. chapters. Of the it's like, book. it's totally okay that you bully children because you had a crush this one time and she died. So and, um, he would keep that s- secret until the book came out to the point where in later films before the seventh book came out, he would tell directors, no, I'm not doing it that way. And they'd be like, well, why? And he's like, I can't tell you. So it's like I'm fucking Alan Rickman. Ask me twice. <laughs> Um, so the, they really use these sets for, um, sorry, this is just kind of going back to the sets. My notes are a little all over the place today. Uh, do you need a break? <laughs> if I need to make an Alan Rickman joke, what's a good diehard quote of his? Oh, um, I'm this... sad you're not immediately going to the Alan Rickman voicemail. Well, that's a good bit, but I think we've done that before. <laughs> we have done that one. I'm just What's thinking of the Hans way he Gruber. calls him a cowboy. It's so cute. Cowboy American. Mr. John Wayne. Okay, we got nothing. Go ahead, Sam. Got nothing. So they did um, create a couple of sets for Hogwarts when they couldn't use the actual like castles to represent it. And one of the interesting facts I learned was that they, uh, one of the main sets was the Great Hall was created, and they spent a fortune on these very expensive, I think they called them... Uh, and then planks or something like that, stones on the floor of it. Mm-hmm. They were like, these are too expensive for this little set. But they lasted for eight years because they used, or for 10 years because they used it for all eight films. So it was actually a good thing they used them. But yeah. Do you ever see uh, the floor? Sure, it's part of it. Sure. Yeah, they walk on it. Yeah. The Great Hall looks pretty dope. Uh, Rupert Grint uh, sent in a videotape of him dressed up as his drama teacher and rapping about why he should be in the film. Oh, like so in the book. That's how he got cast. <laughs> Imagine a little 10 year old doing that. A little British 10 year old. Oh my God. It was very oh, cute. It was very cute. These kids are so fucking cute. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about it later, but they're so fucking cute. Okay, so I'm going to go super fast. So filming started <laughs> September 2000, and it would go till March 2001. Uh, J.K. Rowling accidentally messed up the layout of London's King Cross Station when she was creating the book. She thought that uh, platforms 9 and 10 would be kind of in the middle of the city, but actually they're in a suburb. So they actually had to switch it when they were filming to platforms four and five to kind of create oh. that area that she had pictured in her head but got wrong. See, uh, I had always heard that she was thinking of a totally different station. <laughs> but that sounds right, too. Also, isn't there like a now a little Harry Potter statue there? Yes, they have a little. With yeah. him saying, like, please do not run into the wall. <laughs> Actually, it's a, I think it's a trolley that's pushed into the wall. Yeah, so like you, you can't. Like you run again. There's a statue in the way. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, so during the scene where... They do that in the uh, movie, if you don't know, audience. Go ahead. During the scene where um, Snape is having his class for the first time and he's talking about all these potions and whatnot, Rupert Grint started doodling in his book with his quill. 
and he started accidentally drawing a version of Alan Rickman. Uh, quote, I was just doodling with my quill. I drew this rather unpretty picture of Alan Rickman, and as I was drawing it, Alan Rickman was standing right behind me, and I was so scared. Rickman asked if he could have it and made him sign it, and according to Rickman later on, he said, I still have it in my possession. I'm very fond of it. <laughs> he said, I still have it in my possession. <laughs> I'm very fond of it. Ronald Weasley. Apparently, apparently the kids were really been to pranks. Liked pranking the adults on set, including one time where they took the actor who played Hagrid's cell phone and changed the phone language to be in Turkish. And he had to actually call someone in Turkey to figure out how to get it back. Um, Also, Emma Watson was so excited about being in this film that she learned all the lines in the scenes that she was in and often would get in trouble because she was seen mouthing. Uh, both Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert oh, Grint's lines cute. along with them. Cute. Very also, cute. many scenes had to be taped twice because they had to tape them saying the Sorcerer's Stone and saying the Philosopher's Stone Whoa. so that in England or in America, it would be the correct version. Wait, there's a different version in England where they say the Philosopher's Stone? Yeah, man. Yes. Because I had to look for our good friend Peter Bradshaw's reviews. Oh, he reviews the Philosopher's Stone. This is crazy. I got to see that. It would be exactly it's literally the, same, the same film. But they they say different words though. They say do one different word. One. They say different word. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. So the film would open up on November sixteenth in uh, in the world, and it would grow like five days after nine eleven. I thought it was a month uh, after 9-11. November 16th. Not September. Oh, November. I'm mixing up my months. Oh, you're good. That's 11. Uh, November 16th. Yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it would gross $974 million in the box office. But Michael, that's a good foreshadowing for later. We're going to talk about 9-11. So. Perfect. <laughs> Stick around, <laughs> folks. <laughs> uh, and with three releases, it has made over a billion dollars. Uh, it was the highest grossing film. And it was bought for a million pounds. That's a good investment. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Not only it, it and four, four books were bought for a million pounds. That's, um, do the math. So it became the highest grossing film of 2001 and the second highest grossing film of all time at the time. It would be nominated for three Academy Awards, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score. It would win none. The reason I said that was kind of a spoiler effect is, Michael, you've talked about how this is like your favorite score. It's my favorite John Williams score, for sure. Yeah, I was surprised it didn't win. Uh, It turns out that that was Lord of the Rings that won. I do have a funny anecdote just about. I I don't know how true this is, but I think there is a story about them recording the the theme. Hedwig's. What is his fucking name? Yeah, Hedwig's. Hedwig's theme. And the violinist getting into the record for the day, looking at the music and go, oh, fuck you. Just because it's all these really complicated string runs, you know, it's for like an hour. So he's like really, really mad that he had to learn this. Uh, But it's a good part. I love it so much because I remember, Michael, when you and I saw like one of the new Star Wars films and you're like, I'm so fucking sick of that song. But, like, I feel like they use Hedwig's theme over and over. And, like, every time, I'm like, this gets me in a magic mood. Like, I'm happy to hear that. It's different that it comes from that movie. 
Sure. And it's like, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I detest the other movies that they like don't even have music at all, barely. Sure. Anyway. Uh, good so song. Just, uh, to wrap it up, this would be the start of what would become an eight-year, or eight-film, ten-year-long film project, and would lead to a bunch of additional things including an amazing theme park that i just came home from so you were so ladies and gentlemen in the audience sam was just at harry potter world two days ago a day ago ago. yeah it was amazing magical highly suggest going yeah it's pretty awesome crazy is that it that's it that was fam time for sam all right, now we're going to move on to Critics Corner. All right. Part of the show where we see what the critics have to say. This is from Mike Massey, outlet unknown because I didn't write it down. <laughs> it's always thrilling to see kids taking matters into their own hands, outthinking their peers, outwitting adults, and defeating superior enemies. This sounds like a review for like any of the Nickelodeon movies that came out during our childhood. They're all like, parents suck, the kids rule. I mean... Right? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. It was like the plot of Jimmy Neutron. The aliens capture all their parents. I'm, I, I got to stop myself. I'm going to ruminate as much. Is Jimmy Neutron, Neutron is there a film? It started as a film. Yeah. Oh. He had shorts sure. in the movie, but pants in the show. Uh, what? This, this next review is by Andy B. Uh, he's writes for, he's, this is an Amazon review. I tried and tried to like this movie, but it is like a child's wildest unhealthy fantasy come true. Yeah. Feast on candy. What? Feast on candy, point and flick magic depictions of parents that can only come from sniveling little brats. It felt like kids of Willy Wonka rolled up into one and on bad behavior. Did I read that right? I think you read that perfectly. Um... He's like, what's this bullshit? Kids would like this. What a what a weird, what an interesting review. That's a hot take. It's a hot take. All right, this is from Le Patch of the Herald Sun. Does a magnificent job in bringing to life the unique world of magic and fantasy that, until its mega hyped release, existed only in the imaginations of author J.K. Rowling's dev- devoted readership. Wow. This this uh, next review is by Ken. Here we go. Why do people love a film that glamorizes abuse and bullying? WTF? It doesn't glamorize abuse, I don't think. No. They're the, they're the bad guys. Yeah, I don't think he watched that movie correctly. Yeah. Um, so, I have a little treat for everybody today. Wow. Friend of the show, Peter Bradshaw. Bring me, Peter Bradshaw. A lot of times, because of when he came on, we don't always have a review for the movies. This time, we he just came onto The Guardian when this came out. So we have the first review he did. Wow. And then a review he did a year ago for the 20th anniversary. Whoa. So a reflection on his first review. This is crazy. This is Peter Lore. Oh, yeah. This big Bradshaw energy here. So we're back in 2001. Here's what he has to say. Even just on its own, it's a wildly successful picture. And I grinned with pleasure all the way through. 
But I couldn't help thinking that however well executed it is, the movie is addressed to fans rather than a general audience. It takes its customers' loyalties essentially for granted without, like other movies, needing to persuade and excite us from first principles. For the moment, this is hardly a problem. At the screening I was at, children and adults alike were simply delirious with joy all around me. That's nice. Nice. And now then 20 years later, he hates 20 years it. later, he's like, let's think about this. Yeah. Harry Potter emerged in the cinemas as we were all still stunned by 9 11. There we go. Yeah. Callback. Callback. <laughs> but yet to see the retaliatory war on terror. Great. Good memories, Peter. This film, emerging four years after the original novel, marked the birth of a new consolatory pop culture myth to rival Sherlock Holmes and James Bond. And it's still. A very entertaining and spectacular movie with a Russian nostalgia to go alongside the exhilaration of fun, even though some of the flying effects during Quidditch match aren't quite what we're used to in 2001. When Guardian Leviosa says the earnest wide-eyed Hermione, and the story is airborne again. He's a magician with words. That's what I think. He is. He, is. Um, he doesn't even need a wand. I, I just like that I couldn't help but wonder, and I'm like... That's another Bradshaw. That's cute. <laughs> that, I bet he does that a lot. Uh, here we go. This is our last review, and it's by Karen. So we know what kind of review this is going to be. It's uh, pretty spot on, actually. <laughs> uh, here we go. It doesn't matter how well this movie, well, well, this movie was executed. Witchcraft is evil. Evil is evil. And good is good. Good is not evil, and evil is not good. If I could give this movie zero stars... I would have. All right. So people who do not know Harry Potter, which I'm sure so many of you, let me do a real brief summary. Mm -hmm. uh, usually we have our intern write this, but you know, we haven't met in a while. So who knows what they're doing? So this is from Peter Bradshaw and then me a little bit. So Harry's a little wizard boy um, whose magic parents, Lily and James, were killed by the unspeakable Voldemort. Shh, don't say his name. He literally wrote shh in his review. I thought that was cute. <laughs> he's a cute man, this Peter He's Bradshaw. so cute. But he's then delivered to his muggle, i.e. non-magical, oh, okay. civilian aunt and uncle, and beastly fat cousin, which is super cool. That's a thing that's aged really well. Um, also, like, I didn't think that actor was that chubby. Like, I feel like they make a whole point of how he eats so much and he's so chubby. But he's just like, I don't know, slightly overweight kid. I thought that was weird. A little weird. No? Well, I, okay. I was thinking it was weird that they put him in the cupboard. So Harry, th that, that's like his room is the cupboard beneath the stairs. But like, where do they put their boots? I know. English homes do not have a lot of storage. So, and there's, uh, there's spare bedrooms. I checked with our Harry Potter experts, same as I was watching the film. There are spare bedrooms in the house. Yeah. So there's two. Because Dud Dudley has two bedrooms. Harry does get the second bedroom. In and the then they're second? like, oh, no. now I can put my umbrellas here. When that eventually happened. I remember reading these books as a kid and thinking that his room was way more cruel because when I think of a cupboard, I think of like a kitchen cupboard. And I'm yeah. like, how does a child even fit in there? But it is a closet. Like, you know. It's like a bunk bed, but it's a bunk room. Right. <laughs> so anyway, he's uh, so Harry's living with his muggle parents, but then... He's whisked off to Hogwarts, a glorious boarding school for trainee wizards, where you're allowed to say bloody to a beak, which is a teacher at a boarding school. I had to look that up. Sorry, what? Uh, Explain that part. A, 
uh, Beak is a teacher, uh, specifically a teacher at a boarding school. Oh. Apparently, Peter Bradshaw went to Eaton, so he talks about it, about how he's like familiar with boarding school stuff. We're getting a lot of Bradshaw backstory. Love it. So much Bradshaw stuff. So um, Harry is tutored in the art of pushing spells and riding a broomstick. He's watched over by headmaster Dumbledore, wisely bearded and snowy haired Richard Harris. Harris is assisted by the peppery disciplinarian Professor McGonagall, Maggie Smith. Ian Hart is the timid Professor Quirrell. And Alan Rickman luxuriates in the role of the superbly, <laughs> hilariously sinister Severus Snape, speaking his lines from a sensual but almost immobile mouth, the Dude, corners remember. of which are turned resolutely <laughs> One of my down. favorite scenes. <laughs> you see Snape, the, his first lesson, and he's like, this is potions, class. Potions will bring people back from the dead. You will control life. He's saying all these like cryptic, sexy things, and Harry's like writing down word for word what he's saying. That's what I would do. I don't know. You're in a new <laughs> school. You're trying to press stopper of death. Parentheses sexy. <laughs> stopper of death. Oh God, he's so hot. He does Are a lot of. He does a lot of pauses. <laughs> But like, but like hot, but pauses. like really hot pauses. <laughs> Michael, do you want to read the next paragraph? Sure. Let's look at what paragraph we're on. Uh, right here. The young prince. The young prince of light himself. What the fuck? The young, that's Harry Potter. Okay. So Harry Potter, who has charm and a lovely open face. British people are so weird, man. Uh, <laughs> such an open face. Guy, his face is so open. Though he is subtly but distinctly outclassed by his pals. They are somehow a touch more lively than Harry himself. They say Daniel Radcliffe's not a good actor. Uh, as good as his peers. And I think open face just means he like wears all his emotions on his face. Like He's a very open person. I felt like Ron and Hermione were a little bit more open, I gotta say. Personally. Personally, at the scale of openness. Sure. Uh, okay. They are more lively than Harry. Harry's not a good actor. Who accepts his destiny and heroism with a kind of evenness bordering on insolence. What is this? Word? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> and it's never, this is a bad idea. It's never troubled with any doubts or reversals that are not swiftly erased. Rough and ready. <laughs> Rough and ready. What a great thing. Rough and ready Ron is Rupert. Too many R's in a sense. And Emma Watson are is the magnificent Hermione. Imper, imperious, impetuous, but heartbreakingly loyal. I just gotta say, did Peter's editor not be like, do you really want to describe a child as rough and ready? <laughs> like a 12-year-old? <laughs> what would you ever describe as a rough and ready in your life? <laughs> Remember at so the end of the movie when Harry's like, well, you're the one who solved it. You're so clever. And Hermione's like, there's more than cleverness. There's, and she like, can't no, think of anything. That. She's like, uh, friendship. <laughs> like what a cop out. Yeah. Oh, Hermione, you're so clever. There's more than cleverness, even though I literally did all the work. <laughs> there's more than cleverness. Blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. So anyway, the story of the film is about the Sorcerer's Stone, which like gives you life and gold. I don't think they talk about the gold very much. Anyway, so they think Professor Snape is trying to steal it, which is like, because he's like super evil seeming and presenting. But spoiler, it's actually the nervous Professor Quirrell who's got Voldemort on the back of his head, but they defeat him in the end. Pretty sure going forward that keeps happening. That's yeah. the movie. 
I asked Sam this, but do you think there's bad racial implications uh, with hiding literally the face of the devil behind uh, a turban? I don't think... I mean, look, I do think that in retrospect, there aren't there are some not great things in the book, yeah. but within the ethos of the '90s, not a lot of people were taking it very seriously. It's true. It's magical world. It's fiction. <laughs> well, no, well, no. So I think I think the the bad part about the turban is probably just that the sort of uh, um, othering of Orientalism and the mystic of that mm-hmm. region of the world. Yeah. So it's not like the worst, but it's not great, right? Not good. So not good. Um. Yeah. Do we want to talk about J.K. Rowling at all? Just, I, sorry, I just had a weird hot take about this. Not a hot take. What's um, your take? So I saw this tweet about Chris Pratt. God, let's do it. Let's get into it. <laughs> Where someone was like, how did he get famous when he's got like the energy of a youth pastor? And it was a very popular tweet. And then a YouTuber that I like that you introduced me to. He's like, this is a fucking weird thing that we like to do on the internet where if we start to hate somebody, we pretend that they were always terrible and that they have nothing of value. Like Chris Pratt was obviously very charming. Like it's Mm -hmm. obvious why he got famous. Like he's cute and he's charming. He's fun and he's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that he's like in a homophobic church now. But like, so that's why I do think there's this weird thing, especially because I spend too much time on Twitter where like, because J.K. Rowling sucks as a human being, especially now, like we have to pretend that that like there's nothing of value in Harry Potter and what it created. And then you look at this movie, which is not just J.K. Rowling. It's like a million people who made this. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like she's fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's doing all right. There was a Harry Potter retrospective recently. Mm-hmm. And. That I, she was not imp- I saw yeah. the like the promotional tweet because I'm on Twitter too because I'm a loser and it was like we'll watch this on HBO Max we're gonna talk about Harry Potter and all like the first hundred tweets are like but where's JK Rowling you didn't have her you didn't have her on it but like when you watch the special the first line is like welcome to Harry Potter the wonderful world created by JK Rowling like people acknowledge it it's fine she wasn't there to do interviews but uh, whatever it's fine she's doing all right She's got a billion dollars. I'm not sad for her. What are I'm you sad, sad about? Oh, so sorry. I could see how that meant like that was a defense of J.K. Rowling. It was not. It was a defense of the people who love Harry Potter. Oh, sure. Well, we, we like, love it. Yeah. Like, so, of course, like, yeah, maybe I'm just justifying just something I keep wanting to consume. But it's like, it, I just think that she, we can all acknowledge she sucks. Her views suck. That sucks. But like this thing that we've loved for so long, we can't, I just can't turn off loving it or pretending that it wasn't this really cool thing. And all those actors are so great still. Like how cute are they? They're very cute. That's all I wanted to say. I I didn't have anything smart to say about it. I just wanted to like make sure that we are aware that she is like an anti-trans bigot. Like we know that and that's bad. Yeah. She thinks uh, trans women who commit rape need to be reported as men it's like what are you doing with your life jk like why are you doubling down on this like get a hobby man uh, apparently like the day the fantastic beast thing was a trailer was dropped she then tweeted about how like like trans men or women or something and i'm like what are you doing man yeah she's crazy 
but let's we i don't feel like we really Sorry. you we, can cut that out it's all going in uh we, let's, we haven't really <laughs> talked about this film at all i mean there's so much yeah, to let's say talk about the film well okay you go ahead talking points so these are not talking points these are just random thoughts michael i oh, believe you had a text points. thread with sam that you had yeah I think maybe I, you could think, think of I, some of the thoughts that you have so one of the first thoughts i had when i was watching it is like so it's set up that Harry's kind of like bullied by this family he lives with. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I don't remember being as devastated by it when I was reading as a child. Like the Dursleys are so silly. Like it doesn't seem as sad for some reason. And now I'm like an adult watching it. I'm like, this is really sad. They're oh. straight up abusing this child. It bums me out. I mean, the child does put their other child into snake dens. By accident. <laughs> and... He has it coming. <laughs> Just saying. It's not great. Mm. It's not great. Um, these uh, are, yeah, it's, yeah, it's sad. Uh, but, I mean, this is the stupidest hot take of Harry Potter. Just like all the actors, it's, I mean, especially the adults. They are just fantastic. Great not, casting. Just. You couldn't have a better Petunia. Yeah, I wrote that Draco. Um, Sam, who plays Draco Malfoy? Tom Felton. Tom Felton. He has real Billy Zane energy, especially when he tells Harry, like, you know, you want to be with a certain class of wizard. It was very Billy yeah, Zane. Yeah, I totally thought he was going to say that uh, dirty dancing line where he talks about Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. Half the people on the ship is, are going to Right, die. and they're all really <laughs> actually 11-year-olds. So that's crazy that they're as uh, watchable as they are. Do you think that they're cheating a little bit because they're British? Um, like, they're just like that much cuter because they're British children. I don't know, man. It's all relative. I mean, you know, you get a you get a child over here, and they got the most attractive child. So what's the difference? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I I gotta say something about the setting of this movie. So I was watching it with my friend David, who is British. And I was like, it feels like they're cheating in this movie a little bit. Cheating's the wrong word. Where it's just like the mystical, beautiful stuff is just like being in England, right? Yeah. And I he mean, was like, they got the beautiful castle like, sets. Beautiful castles, beautiful landscape. That's just I mean, in it England? is like Lord it is like Lord of the Rings where Peter Jackson's like, Oh, we gotta do Middle Earth, let's just be New Zealand. That's <laughs> that's a thing, like they have a, like a boarding school and there's prefix and us Americans are like, Whoa, what a magical, different, special world. <laughs> it's just like a fucking boarding school that's and a like, real castle. That's what they, that's what they <laughs> like do. to me though, I watch it as an adult knowing those things and it still works. Like You're it like, is magical so- and beautiful. And I don't know, there's just something about like old world England that I'm like yeah, it works for me. Remember when there's a scene where the Irish kid who is 11 years old tries to turn his tea into rum and everyone's like, yeah, he's just trying to get drunk at lunchtime. It's whatever. Those kids, you know what I think about this movie? I feel like none of it makes any sense, which I like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like there's, if you wanted to find a plot hole, I mean, find a plot patch of land. <laughs> you know, like you can't, it's all holes all the way down. But it's like, I like that. Like, I like that. It's not really, you're not here for internal consistency or anything like that. It's all no. nonsense, but it's. I agree with my good friend, Peter Bradshaw, that you're not really here for the story. 
Like, this is a fun experience. Yeah. Um, I also had the thought that... So, like I said, I remember reading the books right before this movie came out. So I'd be like, oh, they didn't do this from the book. But I think it's admirable how much is in the movie. It's a long movie for a kid's movie. It's like a two hour, two and a half hours. And there's yeah. so much in it. When Sam was all like, oh, yeah, they were thinking about like putting three books in one movie. I'm like, fucking how? <laughs> like, they put so much shit into this. It's, as Sam was right, a fairly thin book. But that's a lot of shit. And it makes uh, the world feel pretty big just because you see all of it. I thought the world building of this movie was so good. Like, I just had a fun time being in this world. I mean, it basically kids. plays like a two and a half hour long commercial for Harry Potter land because it's like, here's Gringotts, here's, here's Hogwarts. And I'm into it. And I'm I like, mean, where's my ticket? When are we going? <laughs> I also think, I mean, actually to one of our Amazon reviewers where evil is like, evil that one right like witchcraft is against god's will so let's get into that no just like about yeah uh like adults being dumb and kids rule that is what's great about this movie that was oh. what was so fun about reading it as a kid is just these children with so much agency who are in mortal peril all the time and have to figure out the big mystery because no competent adult is helping them for some reason or the one competent adult is aware it's all happening and letting it happen i guess right it's all it's all just fucking wish fulfillment for children which is fine totally he's got totally. a he's got dead parents plus he is a wizard plus he's a hardy boy because he gets to solve the fucking mysteries plus yeah like if i'm that 11 year old in this situation i'm solving zero riddles i'd be like huh that's curious and then like oh actually i'm a child and there are adults who will figure this out that is how i would react yeah i mean that's how they I would be like i should sacrifice my life in this fucking chess game never do you think they use that chess room uh future years for like recreational activities oh sure because <laughs> there's just a big chess room in the castle like uh do they use that room for anything it's just it or does it just forever exist to be a game show obstacle to guard a stone i don't know man i mean it sounds like because of magic they have unlimited real estate within it right. so they could just keep the game room so yeah why not that's what i mean none of this story makes any sense at all do you okay i don't know why this makes me mad because you were just saying like a lot of it doesn't make sense and this is a true about the harry potter world i like think it's very cool and it's very fun and i loved it love i still love it in a lot of ways so i don't want to pull at the specific threads however it's fun to do the remember all is the dumbest shit ever why is that because you've always forgotten something right you squeeze it and it turns red if you've forgotten something. In what state of being are you that you haven't forgotten something? You don't know. You don't know how brains work. Now, maybe they're like, oh, you've forgotten something you need to remember at this moment. Still useless and rude as a person who forgets a lot. But then my favorite is in the next scene where the meanest prank Malfoy can think of is to take that useless fucking remember all and like put it on a roof. Like... Let's see how he likes it on a roof. It's like, whoa, it's pretty evil. Malfoy. Right, they could just murder each other. Those wands are so dangerous. Like, I'm surprised <laughs> that there's not more regulation about like when you can have your wand. The first yeah. scene, 
is like one of the first magical scenes of our friends getting together is Hermione's like, hello, I'm Hermione. Oh, how are your glasses are broken? And she points her wand right at his face. Like, You're going to kill somebody. That is so dangerous. I think that that's pretty canon, right? That that like people just die at Hogwarts all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> like would the Quidditch captain is like, hello, Harry, you're, you're going to be going to Quidditch now. Oh, I got a concussion in my first match. Here you go. You're the captain now. I think that's how the scene plays out. That was a perfect Welsh accent. Really well done. Yeah, Welsh. That's how it's going to hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's just cute about Hogwarts that people are in mortal peril all the time. It's pretty cute. They're like, do never go into the Forbidden Forest. By the way, you because you did bad, you're going to go into the Forbidden Forest alone. Oh just I wrote you. a note about this. So they're in the Forbidden Forest because they're being punished. And Malfoy and Harry, they split up for some goddamn reason, even though they know there's some evil in the forest killing unicorns. So they split up. <laughs> and, and it's the Malf- Forbidden Forest. And Malfoy at one point says like, wait till my father hears about this. And I'm like, if my child is going into the death forest, I also would like to hear about it. Hey, he would be Malfoy the bad is guy. Malfoy being correct. <laughs> I'm sorry that Malfoy is like an 11 year old doing the right thing in that situation. I'm but we're assuming, like, oh, what a snob. <laughs> I'm assuming the tuition is expensive. Like they deserve better oh. education than this. Do they have to pay to get in? I was not clear. They There's, don't have to pay. Oh, how do Samantha, they get, is there tuition? How do they get funded? There is no tuition. Going to Hogwarts is free. It's funded by the Ministry of Magic. What? Mm. Okay. I guess that makes sense. They pay wizard um, taxes? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. It was, uh, it was a huge controversy when she announced it. People were very offended by the concept. What? <laughs> getting into Hogwarts for free. Uh, okay. People are weird, man. Really? That's so funny. <laughs> They're like, no, it should be excluded to the wealthy. All right. All right. Interesting. Um, I have two acting notes that I would like to say that Emma Watson is, as an 11 year old, is like full on theater kid acting. Like she is bring, like she is talking to the back row. Uh, But that is her character. I I mean, I think that's kind of what they were going for. I love it. But it's just like, yeah, every scene is big and I love it. I I thought she was perfect. I love that they have a lot of expositional dialogue. Like, it feels, like, very trailer-worthy. You know, like, that's Wizard's Chess. <laughs> like, very natural like, dialogue. I feel like the movie is funny. Like, I do like the movie dialogue. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, line? What's another trailer line like that? Where they're like, you're going to get us killed or worse, expelled. She's got to get her priorities straight. It's good stuff. It's a good line. Good. And Ron, the fucking 11-year-old, nailed it. If I had that line, I would have nailed it. I'm 31. <laughs> Um, yeah, these kids, I, I did make a note. These kids are like so cool and brave. There's the, so like Hagrid gets a dragon egg and then like two scenes later, Harry's like, why didn't I see this before? <laughs> What's the thing he wanted more than anything in the world? And someone gave it to him and he knows how to get into the chamber. And I'm like, you're 11. You did not have any responsibility for this situation. <laughs> so funny. It's all, <laughs> like, it's all nonsense. And also, Hagrid, Hagrid might be dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why did they make a point of that? Uh, okay, here's another stupid nitpick because we'd be here all day with these. But why did they lock doors? 
Right. Right. Well, okay. So I don't think they officially, Sam can correct me. I don't think they officially teach it in classes. I think Hermione read the spell in a book. So she had to go out of her way to know the spell at least. But it's 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 still totally nuts. I mean, why did they guard the stone at all when you could not get the stone if you wanted it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Feels like they didn't need to do any of that stuff. Like they just had that as a rule. (laughs) They didn't need to make three separate game show style obstacles. (laughs) And Harry going down there did nothing. Except forget the stone <laughs> to him. <laughs> that is blown. very funny. <laughs> oh my god. None of the rules make any sense. It's great. Uh oh yeah. Okay, so they go to play Wizard's Chess, which if you haven't seen the movie is very violent. And Ron's like, "Harry, you're going to be queenside rook." I'm going to be kingside knight. And I'm like, why would you not make yourself the most valuable player on the board so that you're less likely to get, you know, uh, hacked away at? Yeah, I make feel like king. he had to say the queen size, king side stuff. So we're like, oh, Ron knows chess. But mm-hmm. like, we already knew that. They already established that. Yeah. Music is really good. That's another talking point. There's just the a lot of, there's a lot so of themes. Good. Like there's like a, there's like the winter theme. There's like friendship themes. Oh my God. How fun is the Christmas stuff? I love it so oh, it's much. So cozy. Christopher Columbus fucking brought it. He brought with the that Christmas. Happy Christmas. When? Oh my god. I feel like when, a lot of people have an association with this as a Christmas movie. Weirdly enough, because ABC Family like plays it on Christmas oh. or plays it in December. So I think. there's that. Um, and there's a lot of winter scenes in it, maybe yeah. also. But when those two cute ass kids say Happy Christmas to each other. And then he's like, there's presents. And Harry's like, presents for me? I'm like, I'm losing it with this fucking Christmas spirit. It's it so, so nice. cute. It's so nice. It's, it's so adorable. There's no movie like this movie. Because like you get to just live in this magical world. You know what I mean? There's like, it's, it's not always so plot heavy. They're not always like, we have to do the thing right now. They're kind of just chilling for a lot of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes, I do know exactly what you mean. Because you just nice. get to like exist in this world this which castle. also it does beg the question a lot of people have brought up recently like would this make a much better mini series than a movie because there's like so much ground to cover and you could luxuriate a little more in the world in a mini series i guess i wonder if but, that's harder to do with 11 year olds yeah like oh, maybe sorry. but this is they did it they knocked it out of the park you know what i mean yeah like don't bother like but. uh they could they could do it and maybe it's better but we got a good one so mm-hmm. i'm just gonna be happy with that Right. Um, I want to go back to when you were talking about the books and cleverness line. Yeah. So they they get beaten in wizard or no, they win wizard chess and Ron is hurt. And Hermione's like, Harry, you have to go on alone. Like, why? Because you must. And, and I know it's because in the book, she goes on with Harry and they solve a riddle. And then there's only enough potion for one person. But I, I get there's no cinematic way to do that scene because she's literally just doing a logic and puzzle. And the movie's going on, you know. Right, right. So I just thought that was very cute. And she's like, it's like, but you're the smart one. That's just books and cleverness. It's like, I, I know you literally just said that, but it still bothers me because like, Hermione, you are 90% of the work in every single book. Right. <laughs> They're nothing without you. 
People, uh, uh, Harry Potter heads, maybe not Sam, but other Harry Potter heads that I've watched on YouTube, they're like, they didn't do Ron justice. They made Ron into a stereotypical dumb boy. And I like that. And Sam, I don't, I can't tell. Sam has an expression, but I can't tell what it is. No, I, th- I think she's enthusiastically agreeing with that. Hunt agreeing or disagreeing? I am a hundred percent agreeing with Michael oh, and a hundred percent disagreeing with Colleen. Oh, okay. oh, I like, I like his his hot boy, mm. his hot dumb boy thing. No, no, because they take away a lot of his great stuff to give to Hermione to make her like this big amazing woman, which she is. She also has faults, and they make her kind of faultless in the movies. And in the books, she's more realistic. I could go on. It's not relevant, but I have thoughts. That's probably no. right. It's probably true. No, we love it. <laughs> I haven't seen the other movies enough to have an opinion. Um, I want to say another nice thing about this movie. I feel like they could have been a little more cheeky about it. I, they um, were pretty cheeky. No, they were cheeky like with their lines. So I think like uh, like Terry Gilliam was maybe going to direct or something. Okay. And I think they would have like not take it. Like, I feel like even though they have a lot of jokes in this movie, they take it very seriously. Like they're in the world building. They're playing it straight in this world. Give me more of a specific. I don't, I don't know what you're getting at. I guess maybe earnest is a better word. Like it feels very earnest. That's fine. What's the problem? I like it. Oh, this is a good thing. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. oh, 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 okay. I thought you were saying I this is a bad like thing. I, I could see it like take uh, in the hands of a director who doesn't like really respect that this source material or doesn't like it as much or see it's like just a dumb kids thing. But it feels like they like really, very really took this seriously and earnestly in a nice way. Yeah. And I think. And that adds to, the- to you feeling like, oh, I could live in this world too. And you're immersed yeah. in it. It's also. Good. For some reason, and I think they do this in more than one book. I'm a little embarrassed that I don't remember. Sam's going to correct me. But I know this more than one book where at the end of the year, like Gryffindor ends up winning the House Cup. Which is like, why do they care so much about the fucking House Cup? That's a good point. If I was Slytherin, I would be so pissed. Like first, I'm going to tell my dad about the forest thing, and then we're going to hear about this this cup that I don't and know. They should. What the? I mean, do they win something? I mean, do they get? No, yeah, they only win pride anyway. <laughs> like so. what the? They don't care. No, I thought the thing eleven year olds don't care about school spirit that fucking much. I feel like when I was a kid reading this for the first time, I'm like, yes, suck it, Nazi <laughs> Slytherins, yay Gryffindor. But now that when I watch the movie. The very end, like the 10 points that gets them over to the lead when he's like, um, God, what's his face? Uh, the guy who gets super hot when he gets old. What's his name? Neville. Neville, Neville Longbottom. And he, he's like, and 10 points Neville Longbottom because it's hard to stand up to your enemies, but even harder to your friends. I, as a Slytherin, be like, fuck you, Dumbledore. Have you seen every moment of my life to see if I've had any interpersonal courage? Like, <laughs> Well, it's worse. Well, the scene starts with, Slytherin wins the house cup. By the way, they don't actually. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I have to say, when I saw this movie, I did not like Dumbledore. And I think it's like a thing that everybody likes this Dumbledore and not the one who replaces him. But I just think he, every line he delivers, he sounds close to death, which is a little rude because he dies not that long after this. Magic death. Magic death. But right, I don't know. They're, all right, he's fine. They're all, they're all good. So like, I I think when I first watched this, I was meaner about it. 
You know, it's how funny. It's funny that there's four houses and one of them is just the good one and one of them is just the evil one. I felt like it was good script writing the way that Ron is able to get across that so fast. But it doesn't it doesn't come off too bad. He's just like, no, good wizard ever has come from Slytherin. And that's like the only line. And you get it. You're like, they're, okay, the Nazi house. Got it. <laughs> Don't be in the Nazi house. <laughs> um i feel like i'm nailing it with my accents go ahead your accents are perfect i also remember you commenting on the broom scene the broom scene (laughs) just how they they start by going oh now up you say up to magically get the broom but just like just pick it up like why do you have to magically do everything i mean you don't appreciate that's 11 but as you get older like just bending over to get stuff uh, can be hell on your back. That's so. true. And I was worried about their necks because in this Quidditch game, they're flipping flopping all around. I'm like, that'll really fuck up your neck. <laughs> oh, sorry. This is what I was trying to say earlier, though, about. So I was watching it with my friend David and I was like, oh, I feel like they're cheating just being in Britain, making this all magical. He's like, oh, isn't this just computer generated? I'm like, hey, no, this is just a fucking castle. And be like, watch the Quidditch scene with me and then tell me if you think the <laughs> other parts are computer animated. <laughs> It was kind of charming seeing all the how terrible all the CGI was because you could tell how much was real in retrospect. Yeah, right. That's so, what I mean. So it's like real castles and such. Real sweet re- ass castles. Real ghosts. <laughs> oh, how cute was a uh, John Cleese in that? I forgot so he was cute. in it. Yeah, just for a second. They got it. They got them all. They got all the English actors. Pretty much every English actor is in this film, and That's, they're all pretty good. They're all pretty good. Yeah, I don't. Do you? Did you look through your notes? Do you see? Did you have any other fun quips for Sam? You know, oh, this is unrealistic. Uh, you know, oh, J.K. said this. You know, it's not. Uh, I, I thought it was funny. I said it to you. I don't know if you liked it that much, but I just like when they were explaining the rules of Quidditch. Which, how generous is this movie that they explain the rules of Quidditch? Like we have all the time in the world. But then what? Yeah. <laughs> what uh, is like? And this is the golden snitch. And Harry goes, I like that ball. And it's like, why would you ever say? Like, I get in movies, sometimes characters say unnatural lines because it leads to the line where they're like, well, you won't like it, blah, 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 blah. But it's just like when you just take it in isolation, no one would ever go, oh, I like that ball. So I thought that was very funny. But you sent me that before I watched it again. And then I watched it. And I just, I think Daniel Radcliffe is so cute. I was like, I think I guess I buy him being that big a dork that he would be like, "Ooh, I like that." Part. Ooh, <laughs> what a nonsense just... line! <laughs> oh man, they're all so cute though. Uh, yeah, why did they have to explain the rules of Quidditch? Like, I do. I think in the other movies they do kind of like gloss over Quidditch. They're like, "This still exists." Here's some broom riding here's the end of that result, which is actually part of the plot. Remember halfway, they're like going up the, s- the stairway and the stairway changes because it's like a magical thing in Hogwarts. The stairs change and they're like, yeah. now we'll just go in this new door. It's like, why don't you go where you're supposed to be going? Why do you have to go to this new direction? <laughs> that was a quip I had. I don't know, because they're, they're children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, now I'm at this door. I don't know. What would you wait for the stair to change? What would you do? It's a magic uh, castle. You know better than the magic castle? I mean, there must be a way to navigate to where you want to go. The casting Unclear. is good. These aren't very good quips. <laughs> uh, you'd think Ollivander would have a room with no shelves. How have we not talked about Ollivander? John Hurt. <laughs> Great he scene. is so good in that. 
I've seen John Hurt star in 1984, and this is his best role. This uh, is he's so good. I like how I, everyone in the Leaky Cauldron looks like they're dressed in a Charles Dickens play. That is fun. I what I like about the Ollivander scene is like it makes no sense that every time someone cha- like tries out a wand, like they just make a shit mess of everything, and that's not how it happens in the book. And I remember being like dismissed about that, but now I'm like, oh, it's a movie. You have to demonstrate something. <laughs> like in the movie, he would just get a wand, try it, and it wouldn't work, and he wouldn't know why. And it's like that's not fun to watch. I get what they're doing now. It's cute. Yeah, but the store would be a mess. But they have magic, so you probably clean up in two seconds. So what a fine. fucking dirty sales tactic, though. He's like, oh, the wand calls to you. That'll be 20 pounds. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe I could get another wand. <laughs> maybe like, this is not the is one this, wand for me. This is out of my hands. This is the only fate, wand. Fate That's has good decided. For you. you could go to the Nazi wand shop. It's, it's up to you. <laughs> Whatever your life wants to be. <laughs> Go do a uh, great thing. <laughs> Mediocre things. Those wands are just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've yeah. gone on. We've gone on. People have heard us. Here's what we need to hear from now. Our brother John in a segment that we call Bro Call. John, are you there? Hi, how you doing? Hi. Hi. Michael, re- remember when I abused Sam for going on too long and then we went on eight times as long? Like, I just want us to remember that. <laughs> you were like, Sam, stop so we can do it. <laughs> like, we gotta. <laughs> we have to talk for an hour about nonsense. No, no, no. We gotta ramble. I mean, we don't know anything, but. Anyway, John, so please. John. <laughs> remember when John's segment is right now? <laughs> we're still talking. <laughs> John, have you seen this film? What do you think about it? Hi. Hi. How you all doing? It seems like you guys are having a fun time. Yeah, it's all right. I am having a fun time. Sorry. Right. <laughs> right. So I put this movie on the list. Um, I think I was the only person even to nominate it because, I mean, when you think about the AFI of the future, I do think, I mean, the AFI and the, uh, the originalist did this where they would pick a series, but they'd only pick one of the movies. So that's why I picked Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone or wherever, whatever it is. I vaguely heard you guys talking about that um, because, I mean, this was a gigantic movie. Um, it was defining for an entire generation uh, across the world. It made billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, it's kind of alongside Lord of the Rings, like a tentpole movie for this kind of culture uh, and for this kind of movie, the the fantasy series, and probably even kind of helped set up the Avengers series, uh, the yeah. Marvel series. Um. And honestly, why does everybody compare Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings? I feel like it's a real apples and oranges. Like they're they're, such different. They were just out at the same time. Out at the same time, gigantic fantasy movies that made billions of dollars. Yeah, I just I feel like so I say like when I say I like Harry Potter more than Lord of the Rings, it's not disparaging Lord of the Rings. I just don't really like high fantasy. So, but if you were really cool, you would say you like this more than Harry Potter. That was the trick. See, and and they came because they came out at the same time because they are in the same like big tent, but they are in different corners of that big tent. Like you can use them. Like people did Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars, but that didn't really catch. Yeah, yeah. Particularly because. Go ahead. There's no fucking Christmas scene in the Shire. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, and the other thing these movies did is they actually 
uh, both Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter actually like did the books and they did them well and they didn't flood them. Now I didn't like Lord of the Rings, the books themselves. That's a whole different story, which I talked drunkenly talked about in like episode 56 or something long, long ago. Uh, but my point is that these movies are really competently done um, all the way through. I think the overarching thing that always impresses me when I go back and watch these movies is this movie is a pure triumph of casting all the way through. (laughs) For sure. Because everyone in it all the way through is fantastic. And they had to get the casting right in the first of eight movies. And that carried through. And, like, we kind of take it for granted now, like, looking back. But holy shit, how did they do that? It's crazy. Literally... I just, I guess, again, I know like people didn't like Michael Gambon's Dumbledore, but I don't feel like there's a real weak link in the acting of any of the films. Remember I, I, I full, full agree. Like Gilderoy Lockhart comes in. Fuck. Yeah. That fucks me up. Or it's fucking serious Gary Oldman comes in. Are you fucking kidding me? Ugh. What a triumph. Go on, Sam. Uh, the casting was so intense that the casting director quit because they had seen thousands of pe- uh, thousands of Harry Potters that were, as she deemed, worthy. They were like, no, it's not the right one. And so eventually she just quit because she was so sick of trying to cast the perfect one. Oh. And they found Daniel Radcliffe. Apparently the effort was worth it. Here's a fun, fun little tidbit for our listeners. That John Michael and I saw Daniel Radcliffe in How to Succeed in Business as the star of the show, and he's great. Probably the uh, second best Jay Pierpont I've ever seen, but you know, because uh, that that was John's role in high school. That's the joke. But yeah, the point joke. is, the point is, who knew meeting eleven year old Daniel Radcliffe that kid's gonna be a star? And they were right. Weird Al's Weird Al's making a documentary of his life, and Daniel Radcliffe is the lead. <gasps> No. <laughs> yeah, it looks really hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, he's. He, you mean he's making like a a movie? It, right. It's what a, a parody documentary yeah, yeah. of Weird Al's life. Oh and Daniel Radcliffe God. is going to be Weird Al. Yeah, Red Daniel Radcliffe is now a fantastic actor, and he just gets to do weird shit because he likes doing weird shit. Which I also respect wholeheartedly. Like he could just be in Marvel movies, and he's like, "Fuck all of y'all, I'm going to do weird indie shit." Yeah, and uh, Rupert Grint does weird shit. Emma Watson is just a superstar. How did they do this? It blows my mind. Now, the actual story like of Harry Potter through these movies is kind of dumb. And, like, you're in the world. The world building is great, but the story's kind of stupid. Uh, Team Voldemort, let's go Slytherin. Team uh, Nazis? You like Nazis, John? Uh, you, you know, like- power, sometimes power just needs to assert itself. You need you like ethnic cleansing, John? Whoa, whoa, whoa! You like certain hey. people to rule the world and other certain people to maybe die off. That's some people are good like. and some people are bad. Read this book <laughs> called The Frownhead. I do. I do have a Slytherin banner still. Just you know, we don't need to explore that though. We don't need to. Yeah, let's um, pass it. Yeah, I mean, like really, the most of the plot of all these movies is Dumbledore saying, "Oh, Harry, uh, you know what? Never mind. I'll tell you later." With basics a lot of mystery. Of, the basics of this is to find your bravery in adversity to stand up against obvious evil because there's no nuance in this book. And to like, and to, you know, count on love and friendship even when it's really, really hard, which I think they actually, I think the themes in this book are actually really, or in the series are really strong. Plus so there's a MacGuffin. Yeah, no, I, What's I that, the Michael? themes are good. Plus there's a MacGuffin. You didn't even mention that. 
It's a pretty the, the, the soul thing. The, the sorcerer's stone. I'm just saying, oh, if you're breaking oh. down what the plot is, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going through the whole series and why I like it. Gotcha. But yeah, so I do think this movie is deeply deserving of AFI. Uh, not, it's not my favorite movie, but I would definitely sit down and watch it. Like if I'm my parents-in-law. There we go. What? What grade do you give it? I give it a B plus. Nice. Excellent. Thanks for chatting with us, John. Uh, it's a fun convo. Yes. As we're wrapping up, I want to say my point, which I think I already said, but I want to make it extra clear so that Joyce has it in her brain that I think <laughs> I remember like, so these movies kind of as they, as they came out, as they evolved the story, you know, the story got darker and darker and the kids grew up and they got kind of grittier and the movies kind of shifted tone. So I kind of had it in my mind that the later movies were grittier and the earlier movies were just campy fantasy. But like revisiting that, it is just campy fantasy, but I just, I, I underestimated how much I wanted that again and how much I liked it uh, more than I like the older, the other later films. So I liked this movie a lot. That's my point. I agree. I also kind of just like how many practical effects are in this movie. That's very fun. Yeah. What's your favorite effect? Um, so this is a really dumb answer, but I just like how a lot of the sets uh, obviously rely no, it's on. It's a great answer. No, like a lot of it obviously like relies on actual mechanics or sets rather than, uh, you know, in post. Right. Or. Or digital overlay, which I just think looks great. Like it aged. I think this movie has aged a little better than the third movie, which I love because, well, we already talked about Gary Oldman, but that movie has a lot more um, digital stuff that I think doesn't look as good. And it's like a totally that movie's such a different tone. That movie's it's like so different. Well, because the first two are Christopher Columbus, right? The director, and I and like they, this, and I oh, think people criticize because people love that third movie. They're like, "Oh, it has one takes," oh, and it's by Denis Villeneuve, that director who did, who did Dune. They're like, "Therefore, it's good," but it's, and this sucks because this just can't be bullshit. But I'm gonna stick up for can't be bullshit. I love it. It's delightful. It's, it's, I think people, it's fun. Maybe sometimes people are mean about stuff that children also like. And they fucking love that Dennis. The enemy. I'm going to give this movie an A plus. Because like, <laughs> what are they going to make a better movie than this in 2001? Oh, they should have made it... this, but better. That's not going to happen. Good point, Michael. I'm going to give it an A. What did they, What should they have done better? I don't know. Made it a little shorter. <laughs> it's, it's quite long. <laughs> it's, it's pretty long. It's pretty long. I, Kids do and not. And that's like, that's such a mean complaint because like, they really did justice to the book. And the only way they could do that was to make it super long. I think your score is unfair. Fair. That's I, I take yeah. your criticism with a grain of salt. Right. I don't know why I said that. Me neither. Can I take that again? Go <laughs> ahead. Take two. Okay. I take your criticism to heart because you're a very smart and attractive person. That's so nice. Uh, who are we sponsored by? We are sponsored by... Oh my gosh. Travel Wisconsin. Oh, do you want to come here where it is literally fucking 12 below? <laughs> you're going to have such a fucking great time. Bring two coats because you're going to freeze to death. What you, what's your favorite thing about Wisconsin? <laughs> my favorite thing about Wisconsin is when 
there's sometimes weather where you're not going to die if you're outside too long. That's so fun. Because then you get to be just wherever you want. You can go in the woods. <laughs> you can be in the fire. Yeah, man. So many things. People are like, you want to go inside? Like, yeah, but I don't have to go inside. That's always hey, fun. Hey, you know, you know, when you're in other states and you're like, oh, I would love some cheese and beer, but there is no cheese and beer. Yeah. Come here. Come here. And there's we like got it all. so much. It was so much cheese. They laughed at us when we hoarded it. Who's laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> no supply cheeses used here. <laughs> all right. Great. Great. Great ad that we just did there. Uh, we have to find out what our next film is. And for that, we're going to invite back Samantha Norman, who's going to inform us. Our next film that I'm very excited about, wow. and I've decided it's time. Gladiator. Gladiator? We did that one. Wait, did we do Gladiator? Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Oh. Watch it? I don't think I watched it. Okay. Well, then I have a backup one. Here we go. Take two. Take two. <laughs> Michael, is this all going to go in? Yeah, of course. <laughs> this this episode is going to be like four hours long. We've done that before. <laughs> Take uh, two. Four. Take three. Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> That's different. All right. <laughs> Both G. <laughs> that's uh, yeah it's funny okay great pick samantha i cannot wait to listen to that trailer and cut what's the matter seems like uh, whenever anything good in my life happens i'm just afraid i'm gonna lose it i really love you what do you want What's happening? It's like I think about you every minute. It's like I can still feel you. The problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something, you got to move it with your mind. <laughs> Molly, why can't you hear me? Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, Sam Wheat. Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone. Who is it? Say it. Hello? I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She said Sam knew who killed him. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you going to tell the police? She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on. Well, this psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way. Don't you see? I'm not a fake. I don't know what's real anymore. Don't open him. Don't open the damn door. He's a murderer. Why are you doing this to me? You hear me? Why are you doing this to me? Sam's dead. Tell her I love her. He says he loves you. Sam would never say that. You gotta take all your anger, all your love, all your hate, and then let it explode. Molly? Molly, you in danger, girl. 